Daniel chapter 1 is where we'll be tonight. Daniel chapter 1. If you would take your Bible and turn over there, and once you get there, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. Daniel chapter number 1, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 8. And this is a this message slash devotional is, uh, is directed to the teenagers, but uh, I know that all of us can make application uh, to this uh, to the to this message, and and I hope that all of us will uh, tune in, and and our hearts will be open to what the Lord has for us tonight. Daniel chapter one, verse one, through verse number eight. Uh, verse one says, "In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand." with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of uh, Meshach, and unto Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And let's pray together. Lord, uh, we again thank you for all that you've already done in our midst uh, this evening. Lord, thank you for the encouraging testimonies of these teenagers. Lord, I do pray, uh, I echo what Brother Rick just prayed about us as a church family, keeping them accountable, encouraging them, and uh, praying for them, that they would indeed keep these decisions. Um, Lord, especially those who get ready to go back to school and decide to be a light and a witness and bold in their faith, I pray, Lord, you'd help them uh, with that. And uh, Lord, I pray you guide our hearts and thoughts as we uh, look into your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. About 150 years ago or so, there was a great revival in the country of Wales. Well, as a result of that revival, many missionaries came to northeast India to spread the gospel. The region known as Assam was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were very primitive and aggressive headhunters. Into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist missions, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Well, naturally, they were not welcomed into these harsh uh, environments. One missionary succeeded, though, in converting a man, his wife, and two children. This man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Well, angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers together. He then called the family who had first converted 
to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down the years. And he's saying this, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Well, enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, Will you now deny your faith? You have lost both of your children, and you will lose your wife too. But the man sang these words in reply, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. And again, no turning back. No turning back. Well, the chief was beside himself with fury and ordered his wife to also be arrowed down. And in a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time. I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. On the face of death, the man sang the final memorable lines. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. He was shot dead like the rest of his family. I want to focus tonight on Daniel and his decisions that he made in Daniel chapter number one, and really even in Daniel chapter number six. And I want to focus in on those and encourage us, encourage all of us uh, regarding our decisions that we make for Christ. Uh, I don't know that Daniel got to go to Teen Extreme uh, there in Pensacola. Obviously, it wasn't there back then. I get that. I, you're kind of like, um, you're really tired, Eric. <laughs> I, I am tired, but uh, that's, I, I do know that, that was, they did not go to a teen extreme. But he had parents that taught him the truth of God's word. And there was something in Daniel that caused him to make a decision. And uh, in verse number 8, we see what that decision is. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I basically want to do tonight is just kind of dissect and, and uh, examine his decision that he made and uh, apply these truths to the decisions that many of you just made and just uh, announced publicly, but also the decisions that some of us have made over the course of years and decades in our Christian life. And so let's look at this uh, decision that, that Daniel made and, and uh, be encouraged to never turn back, to never turn back. First of all, I want us to notice quickly tonight the timing of his decision, the timing of his decision. Uh, verse number eight says, Daniel purposed in his heart 
that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. You see, the timing of his decision was that this took place before he was ever in a place of temptation. And so teenagers who just made decisions, I applaud you for making a decision prior to being at a point of temptation. Because really, that's the best time to make a decision. Uh, versus being put in that moment where you're having to decide uh, right from wrong and, and the temptation may be strong and the peer pressure may be strong. Uh, it is better to make those decisions ahead of time. And uh, I, again, applaud you and commend you for making those decisions before the moment of temptation. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, particularly teenagers are going to be tempted with throughout their life. And it's important for them to make decisions ahead of time, before they're in a point of temptation. I think about uh, the area of drugs and alcohol. And uh, there is going to come a point where you will be tempted to uh, have a beer, have some wine, have some champagne at, at, a, at a special event. You're going to be tempted at some point in your life, no doubt, regarding alcohol for sure and potentially even drugs. It's better to make those decisions ahead of time versus right there when all your friends are saying, come on, everyone else is doing it. Why don't you? So I would encourage you to make those decisions ahead of time. Regarding purity, I'm telling you, if you wait until the moment when you're tempted, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult, if not impossible, to keep a decision if you haven't made one. I'll just share very briefly tonight uh, something that my wife and I uh, did early on in our dating days. And again, not to lift us up as the ultimate example, we're certainly not perfect, but I'm thankful that this happened in our, in our relationship. And I think it is greatly, we've been greatly blessed because of this decision. Early on in our, in our uh, dating days, we went to a Bible college that had very strict standards regarding dating. I mean, there was the six-inch rule. I mean, you had to have a hymn book between each other, kind of. Um, and uh, when, when, when you're on campus, I mean, there's absolutely, you know, it's a no-no to have any type of touching going on. And uh, we were instructed not just with the rule, but that we were explained why. Um, there's a verse in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 1, it says, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. And so... I kind of took that as, all right, I'm going to try to keep that. And so early on in our relationship, we uh, this was after school was out. This is during the summer. I went to go visit her in Sacramento, and uh, I spent a couple weeks with her. I stayed at her grandparents' house, which lived uh, just a few uh, miles away from her house. And so I stayed in grandparents' house, and she stayed at her house, of course, um, but we did a few things together. Uh, one of the things we did uh, while we were there, while I was there, was we went ice skating. And uh, so that's why I like ice skating so much, as I think back to those days when I was ice skating with my wife, before she was my wife. Um, well, while we were there ice skating, we had a good time and just skating around. Well, they had the couple skate, right? And uh, so, well, we were a couple. 
And so we were part of the couple skate. Well, all the couples were holding hands. And I was like, oh, man, I would really love to hold her hand right now while we're skating. But I, I want to keep this. I want to keep this. And I don't want to. Uh, I want to keep this decision that I've made uh, regarding uh, not touching. And so we didn't touch. We didn't hold hands during that time, although I wanted to. We get in the car on the way back to her house. Um, I brought it up. I said, hey, you, you notice uh, during that couple skate, um, we didn't hold hands and everybody else was. And she nodded her head. Yes, I noticed. And uh, I said, I just want you to know that as long as I'm dating you, um, you don't have to worry about me making a move on you, trying to you know, hold your hand or put my arm around you or give you a kiss, though I may want to. I just want you to know and be assured that I'm not going to try that. Thinking that she was going to be relieved that I wasn't, you know, going to be that that guy. However, come to find out later on, she was kind of bummed to hear that. <laughs> she was like, oh, man. <laughs> but she respected the decision and... You know, I didn't think much of it at that time. I thought it was kind of a, I was a little nervous sharing that with her. I'm not sure how she would take it. But, and then I, but I did preface it. I said, now if the Lord allows us to get married, obviously, <laughs> at that point, uh, this, that, that, that standard is no longer applicable. You know, that does not, lo- no longer applies. And uh, anyway, I didn't, I didn't realize the, the weight of that particular conversation until later on in our relationship. This is early on in our dating days. We uh, liked each other and all that, but you know, we weren't su- we didn't know each other su- super super well and and uh, then as we got closer together and then eventually got engaged and uh, had some time where we were together and boy the temptation there was much stronger than it was during those early days. But I didn't want to be I didn't want to say one thing way back then and then go back on it. And uh, we ended up keeping that decision with one exception. Uh, We did go to some people's houses, and I think I've shared this before, where when they prayed, they held hands during prayer. And I loved going to those homes. (laughs) In fact, uh, her... Her, uh, her great aunt, who was here a couple months ago, uh, she was one who did that in their home. And when they invited us over, you know, well, we hold hands and we pray if that's okay with you. And it's perfectly fine with me. It's a spiritual reason to do so. Then, yes, I'm all in. And when I prayed, I prayed for a long time for this meal. I mean, it was the longest prayer. I mean, the food got cold. It was great. Um, and uh, that happened a few times, but other than that, that was it. And, uh, well, we didn't have any regrets because of that decision. And so I want to encourage you not necessarily to make that same decision, although that would not be a bad decision to make. Um, because you never have to worry about crossing how many lines. Because if we'd ever cross the first line, we're certainly never going to cross the, the, that one line that you all know. And uh, I want to encourage you to make those decisions early on before you're in those moments of temptation. And Daniel did that. He said, I am going to purpose in my heart that no matter what happens, I'm not going to defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. Uh, Purity is is one. Uh, Tithing is another for us adults. 
right? If we just make a decision that we're going to tithe, no matter what the bills look like that month, no matter what the financial obligations are, we're going to honor him with the first fruits of our income. If we are willing to do that, God does bless. With church attendance, I'm going to make church attendance a priority in my life, and, and I'm going to make sure that I make that decision early on. So the timing of his decision was important. It happened before he was in a moment of temptation. And uh, many of you made those decisions this week before you were in a moment of temptation, and I'm proud of you for doing that. I want to notice, secondly, tonight, the traits of his decision. What kind of decision did he make? Uh, First of all, he made a decision to please the Lord. The Lord God was first and foremost in Daniel's life, and nothing was going to change that. He was going to honor him. He was going to please him. And it didn't matter what his environment was. He was going to please the Lord. And that's a great uh, trait for all of our decisions that we made at camp. Uh, We're we're not just making them because everyone else is making them. Ultimately, hopefully, we're making those decisions in order to please the Lord. Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says to them, Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Um, the major trait of our decisions when it comes to our relationship with God, should be, I want to please Him. And that's certainly what Daniel was uh, doing here when he made this decision. It wasn't to be a jerk. It was to please the Lord. All right, so he uh, was first to please the Lord and also to protect his heart. He didn't want himself to be defiled. Now, obviously, we could go into, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on uh, the dietary laws here and and uh, the reason why Daniel decided this, but ultimately he wanted to protect his heart. He wanted to uh, follow what Solomon encouraged, and that was to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. He wanted to protect his heart. And so those are some great traits of decisions that we should be making for the Lord. Thirdly, I want us to see here, though, the temperament of his decision. So let's suppose Daniel made these decisions at camp, okay? Maybe he went to a camp there in Jerusalem, and they got the teens together, and they had a preacher come, and and they had ice skating, and they had all kinds of fun activities. And Daniel made the decision at that camp that he wasn't going to purpose, that he was not going to defile himself with the wrong wrong diet. And so uh, when he's now in this uh, moment of temptation, in this... uh, what he's about to face here with, uh, with being offered all of this stuff, how did he respond? Was he, well, no way am I going to touch that stuff because I made a decision back there and I'm never going to do that. Did he have that type of a temperament? Did he have a holier-than-thou attitude when it came to his decision? He had a gracious spirit, didn't he? Um, one of the things that, uh, verse number nine, notice this here. Now David, or now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. So Daniel was firm in his faith, but listen, 
He wasn't a jerk about it. He wasn't obnoxious about his decisions. He got to the point where the eunuch there that was in charge of him had actually grown to love and like Daniel and thought, Daniel, I want to I be a blessing to this guy. I want to help him out. And so as Daniel requests graciously uh, to be uh, tested here um, by eating the pulse and stuff, then they were willing to comply with it because he had the right temperament. He had the right spirit. In fact, it goes on to say regarding Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the president, presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king fought to set him over the whole realm. So Daniel was, had this attitude and this spirit that was excellent. And uh, I want to encourage us, I hope that you're going to be bold with the decisions that you just made. But, and I'd rather you be obnoxious about it than not keep them. But I do want you to have a right spirit and a right attitude when it comes to the decisions and keeping those decisions. Uh, he was not holier than thou, and, well, I'm, I'm more spiritual because I made this decision. No, no, no. That's not what Daniel was trying to convey. That wasn't the vibe he was trying to give off. He was just trying to honor the Lord. And so he graciously uh, requested, and they gave him uh, leave. Number four, I want us to see quickly tonight the testing of his decision. And uh, I will just say this, uh, your decision will be tested particularly those who say, I want to be a light, I want to be a witness in my school. I'm glad that you do. And guess what? School's about to start here. You go to Walmart, they already have a ginormous back-to-school section. Aren't you thankful for that? When I was in school, I hated that. I was like, let me enjoy my summer. Stop reminding me that I have to go back to school in like a month. But and I don't want to be that guy, but I do want to say you're going to be in school soon. And in that moment, you're going to be tested. This, this decision that you publicly shared with our church family, uh, it's going to be tested. And it certainly was tested here for Daniel. And Daniel's decision to purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself was going to be tested. How, how sincere were you, Daniel? Did you really mean that decision, or was it just emotional because everybody else was making that decision? Did you really mean it, Daniel? Daniel said, yes, I did, and I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to follow through with my decision. Uh, look here again in verse number, the end of verse 8. Um, he says, therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So he was willing to go to the steps to keep his decision when he was tested. And then verse number 10, the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your face worse, faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. He said, my neck is on the line here if this doesn't work out. Then Daniel said, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. As thou seest, deal with thy servants. 
So he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. He gave them a 10-day, you know, let's, let's trial period, you know, 10-day free trial, okay? You can, you can try this for 10 days. We'll see what happens. Well, here's what happens. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And uh, thus Melzar uh, took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them a pulse. And we'll pick it up here in a moment. God will prove whether you were serious about your decisions or not. I think you were, you were serious, and I, and I pray that you were, but God's going to prove whether you were or not by allowing testing of your decision to come into your life. I think about Abraham. Uh, Abraham was certainly tested, wasn't he? In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now the word tempt isn't like, Hey, Abraham, I want you to sin. That's not what the word tempt means. It really means in this, in this context and in this, the word used here, the Hebrew word, nasah, it's a, it means to test by implication to attempt, uh, prove, tempt, or try. So it's more of a test, more of a proving. And, uh, and, and God was proving whether Abraham's decision to love the Lord and put him first in his life was really sincere. And we all know the rest of the story, how Abraham passed the test. And his, his faith was indeed sincere. I, I read a, a story uh, about a wealthy oil tycoon who was laying on his deathbed, and his pastor talked of God's healing power. Pastor, he gasped, if God heals me, I'll give the church a million dollars. Well, miraculously, the man revived and with a few short weeks was out of the hospital. It was a miracle. Well, one day, several months later, he and the pastor uh, met up and started chatting on the sidewalk in front of a hardware store. Uh, you know, the pastor said, when you were in the hospital dying, you promised to give the church a million dollars if you got well. Do you remember that? And, well, we haven't gotten it yet. And, uh, and the tycoon asked, uh, oh, did, did I say that? I guess that goes to show how sick I really was. <laughs> See, here was somebody who made a decision who wasn't really willing to follow through with it. It wasn't sincere. But Daniel was sincere, and when his decision was tested, he stayed true to it. And teenager who made decisions this week. You're going to be tested. How sincere is and was your decision that you made? So we see the testing of his decisions. And last thought here, uh, we're almost done tonight, the triumph of his decision. Verse number 17, I, I stopped there in, in, in chapter 1 here. It says, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, that king had said he should bring them in. The prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So this is those three years later. Uh, these four Hebrew children, they're not children anymore. They're young men. And they're, now they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar. 
And here's what they said. Verse number 19, here's the rest of the story. The king communed with them all, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Amazing uh, the result of their decision. Uh, What decision or what results are waiting for you because you keep your decision? What blessings await you? What kind of triumphs are beyond this decision if you keep them? Well, I think of uh, also Daniel chapter number six, as Daniel kept his decision to keep the Lord first in his life. Uh, Most of us are familiar with this story from way back when we were in Sunday school and young children learning all about these things, these stories, Daniel in the lion's den. Well, chapter six, verse 16 says, the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. So the result of Daniel keeping his decisions to keep the Lord first in his life led him into a den of lions. This doesn't seem like much of a triumph, does it? And in verse 17, a stone was brought, laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Well, again, most of us know the rest of the story and how the next morning Daniel was still alive and God had shut the mouths of those lions. The triumph of his decision. What kind of stories can be told because you keep your decisions? What kind of, uh, how, how how many teenagers will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior in your public school because you decide to be a light? That you decide that you're going to be different and that you're going to live according to the gospel. I'm looking forward to hearing those stories. We started this evening with talking about that family there in India. That's not the end of the story. You see, with with their deaths, this family, mom, dad, and the two boys dying, a miracle ended up taking place. The chief who had ordered the killings was so moved by the faith of the man And then he wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind that family's faith, and I too want to taste of that faith. So in a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. Well, when the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, You can maybe guess what happened. The whole village began to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. Because a family was willing to keep their decision that they had made. And they weren't going to turn back no matter what. Again, I wonder what kind of triumphs await you for keeping your decision. And also adults and even young young person who is even younger than a teenager. The decisions that you make now, what kind of triumphs will come if you're willing to keep your decisions down the road?
Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for how you expressed that love for us on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, thank you for wanting to work into our work in our lives and, and uh, encourage us to make decisions. And Lord, thank you for how you worked in our youth group's life this week at camp and for the decisions that were made. Oh Lord, I pray that you would help us all to keep these decisions. And Lord, they're going to be tested. Maybe they have already been tested since we've been home. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep those decisions gracefully, graciously. And, and uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would do good and great things through the decisions that we've made. I pray, Lord, you'd make your name known. And uh, may we decrease so that you might be able to increase in our lives. And uh, Lord, thank you for a great day in your house. And I pray, Lord, that you would dismiss us now with your love and care. And uh, we pray that you'd bring us back at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.